morning. Yeah, encourage one another. Um, I, I want to read something first before I get into what I have planned. Um, this is a post by Paul Anderson Walsh. Most of you know who he is. Um, but this kind of, kind of made me think of encouragement in that what is the message we as a church are sending people? What is it that we're most about? And what's the world hearing? And he wrote this. He said, it's a shame our churches are so focused on getting us to give, their, uh, give them our money instead of giving us his assurance. Had we done that, we might have spent more time meditating on the sixth verse of Malachi 3 rather than the tenth. For I, the Lord, do not change, Malachi 3, 6. God is, was, and ever shall be love, not a guilt trip. And I thought, wow, okay. Um, I know there's a lot of stress going on in people's lives. I know people are um, wrestling with personal problems. And uh, today, I bet you most people are enjoying the really nice weather because we so need it, you know, and that's great. Um, but to be encouraged, sometimes people don't come out to a, a church setting because they feel like they're going to get beat up. It's not going to be good news. And I want to try and make every single Sunday here a good news Sunday, so there's some encouragement. So today, uh, to start our summer, uh, I want to talk about encouragement and how to encourage and be encouraged. And if you need encouragement, I think you're going to get it. And if God opens up uh, ideas and people in your mind of who you can encourage, then go do it. Uh, hopefully today will be a bit of an inspiring time. Good morning, Patty. Good to see you. All right. Oops, I guess if I, don't, if I turn this on, we're good. So, encouragement. Is anybody warm or is it just me? It's warm. Good. Can we uh, change the air conditioning? Wait a minute. Who's, who's, who's hot? Anybody cold? <sighs> we'll leave it as it is. See, this is what you deal with when you're, uh, if you're online. You can just go turn on your own fan and air conditioner in the room you're in. But here, you can't. So, all right. 1 Thessalonians 5. I'm going to read these from two different translations. Let's see if we can find some gold in this. For God chose us to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. This is from a New Living Translation. The Passion Translation spins it a bit deeper. It says, For God has not destined us to experience wrath, but to possess salvation through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. He gave His life for us so that we may share in resurrection life in union with Him, whether we're awake or asleep. Because of this, encourage the hearts of your fellow believers and support one another just as you have already been doing. Paul was the primary leader and teacher of the New Testament church. And he was the, the voice of encouragement when it was needed. He was the voice of uh, wisdom when it came to theology and 
the new church is trying to head over to a world of legalism and follow the rules again. He's saying, stop the rule thing. The, this is, uh, you're, you're here for freedom. I'm going to cover that verse in Galatians in a little bit. But he was the inspirer and encourager, and that's why a lot of these words matter a lot. So here's an encouragement just to begin. So encourage each other, build each other up. Encourage each other as you already do it. First, First Thessalonians 5, verse 16, this is, this is going to be kind of neat because some of us have uh, misunderstood a certain line in this verse, uh, and we're going to see what it really says. It says, always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. That's the, probably the version you've heard and the way we've heard it. I want to read it from the Passion Translation as well. It says, let joy be your continual feast. That's interesting. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. Two key things in this that we need to zoom in on. Number one, how many times have we prayed for God's will? Lord, what's your will? What's, uh, I don't know what choice to do here. I don't know. And we keep saying, hey, pray, pray for wisdom, especially as a, most pastors get asked that by, by people. Please pray that I'll know God's will. Well, it's in black and white. Okay, it's right there. You know, the will of God is a person, Jesus. It's not that complicated. <laughs> and we need to learn to trust his voice speaking through us and in us. Now, here's the part that kind of I got messed up growing up. It says, be thankful in all circumstances. Um, I have heard it taught that we are supposed to be thankful for every circumstance. But that's not at all what it says. It's saying, be thankful in every circumstance. And I know my mom had some weird ideas and stuff she learned, and she would always, uh, she'd, something bad, oh, praise Jesus for the car accident. Praise, we told you, praise God in every problem, yes. And she started doing this weird thanking, and it made no sense to me. Like, no rational sense. You, you thank God that that broke. You thank, you, like, it, it, I think this got twisted. Instead, had she known to be a person of thankfulness in every circumstance. So that your attitude is one that begins with thanksgiving, because usually when we're giving thanks, there's no room for complaints. There's no room for negativity. This is about being positive, not for positivity's sake, because that's crazy. Uh, there's wisdom in it. There's, you can go down that road if you want to, but right now, Paul is telling us, be thankful. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Now, there are times I'm not always joyful, okay? I'm just not. I'm, you've seen drivers on these roads. There's, there's clearly times you're not joyful. In fact, quite the opposite. So there, there are times. However, I have noticed that even when difficult circumstances come, the Holy Spirit's gently bringing joy. Joy is not about your happening. Happiness is about what's happened. Joy is an internal sense of true presence, the presence of God, and satisfaction, knowing you have all things. Philippians 4, this hit me this week, and uh, I'm going to post this on Facebook later, uh, this particular picture. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Look at that signature. This all, again, coming with an attitude of gratitude. 
and encouraging us to pray. Well, maybe, maybe this summer we'll take a look at uh, what does prayer really look like? Is it a, a three-step plan, ten-step plan? And is it about check boxes to make sure I've covered all my bases? Um, what, what is prayer? That's a great question. We need to think that through because we're being told twice now already, pray, lots of pray. It does not mean this. You know, the eyes shut and folded hands, and, and it can look like that, but if that's the only image of prayer you have, you're going to be frustrated, you know, because there are times we've been praying and didn't even know it. Have you ever gone outside and enjoyed the beauty of, of a, a lake while sitting on a dock, right, Drew? <clears throat> he was praying and didn't even know it. He was emotionally moved by the beauty around him. That was prayer. God at work, drawing us to him. It's not a duty we have to do. It's a thing we want to do. You know, dating couples, they kind of want to hang out. They kind of want to be near each other. You know, any kind of little bit of together time, they want to. They don't have to. Mom and dad aren't legislating, you need to spend time together. <laughs> it doesn't happen. You know, they're on their phone super late at night, you know, trying to say, oh, I'm going to sleep now. Yeah, and they're, they're going to sleep while they're on the phone. Like, I love you, I love you too. Like, they're just constantly wanting to be with each other. They're constantly thinking of the other one. In the same way, our relationship with Jesus, as we know him better, that too will become a new natural want, something that doesn't have to be um, stirred up uh, in the way of a, a duty, but in a, a real relationship of a person that you see what they've done for you, which is what Jesus has done, has given us his very life, and we now live in response to that. So this is pretty cool. So it says here, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. A lot of worrying going on in this world, especially lately. Uh, I was talking with, uh, I think it was Linda Lane Smith. She's uh, a 911 uh, dispatcher, uh, if you didn't know that she'd switched over to that from Christian Horizons. But she was telling me how uh, a number of the calls that come in, um, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of chaos going on. A number of weeks ago, we had, uh, uh, I think, two or three shootings in town. You remember the news? And suddenly, boom, this story, this boom, uh, another thing happened. Another crash over here. Oh, oh, this person almost took their life in honor. All these crises are coming. We're hearing about it in the paper. And I think even in our entire community here, there was a, a stress level that seemed to go up whether you're watching the news or not. But when you keep getting that kind of bad news constantly, it hits you. Like when Ellen's in the hospital, when you were working there, I'm sure. Did you work in Emerge? Sometimes. Sometimes. But it was one thing after another, crisis after crisis after crisis. You don't have anybody coming in and saying, hey, I feel good. What are you doing here then, right? It's, it's a hospital. Something's wrong, so you go there. In our world, we have stuff going wrong all the time. Hence, the need for us as ones who know good news and are possessed by good news to be light, to be encouragement to those all around us, especially when things in this world seem to be crashing in. Be aware of what happens, not so much uh, to be news-obsessed, but to have an awareness that there might be agitation and stress uh, hitting people's emotions when things are not going well, when economy is going bad, and so on and so on. And it means we need to show extra love, extra care, and even more encouragement, and learn how to focus on the life of Christ in us. 
says, don't be worried about different things. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. I love that. This is, this is, this is, this is prayer. This is oneness. This is what union looks like. Tell him every detail. That, that is a beautiful way to pray. When you've, if you've got a story you want to share with him, you just start talking through, hey, God, I'm stressed. I've got th- this person's life. I'm, their story is heavy in my heart. What do I do? Here, I give it to you. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Yeah, they just had a great thing happen to them. And the conversation just goes all over the place. That is relational prayer. Every detail, you may think, well, God's not going to deal with my small problem. I'll just give him the big ones. Really? They're all small to him. <laughs> that's, that's who our God is. You know? So don't assume you know what's small or big for God. Okay? Just give it all. That way you don't have to assess or judge it. You just give. And pretty soon trust will be built. And I love this other line here. Then God's wonderful peace... That transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. The answers are already in you. But sometimes we are not at a place of peace to be able to hear or understand what God may be trying to teach us or show us or to stop us from all of our crazy busyness just to be at a place of rest. Hmm, I wonder what he might be encouraging us all to do. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. And fasten your seatbelts. No, fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising Him always. Follow the example of all that we have imparted to you, and the God of peace will be with you in all things. It does not say, if you do them, then God will be with you. That's how it's been preached. Not true. We just finished hearing, we're already one, okay? It's about the awareness of the peace of Christ in us. Think, if you see somebody kind of freaking out, you go alongside and be their peace. Be wisdom to them. Be a help. Just be a smile if that's what they need. Who knows? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many have heard this verse before? And how many have misused this verse before? <laughs> we, we tend to take a simple verse like this and oversimplify it. And it seems to imply, if I can put my mind to it, then I can do it. Anything I can think of, I can do. That's, that's not what this is. This is saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If he is giving you something to do, he'll also impart the strength to do what he's called you to do. And he's in charge of the outcome. Not you. This is beautiful. Let's take a look at it from another translation, the Passion Translation. So before it said this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It says here, For I am trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger, and I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty or face every difficulty without fear. Now, the without fear part, (laughs) that can get scary because 
Life circumstances can cause us to become nervous and worrisome. That's why he's always saying, do not worry. Pray about everything. But this is a beautiful picture of, of the strength of Christ being in you. The previous verse, it says, I can do all things through Christ. The focus, if you misread it, your focus is this, I. Right? I, 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 me, me, me. As long as it's about me, it's okay. Yahoo, me. You know, oh yeah, Christ gives you the strength. Me, I. Well, that's not it at all. This is the focus of Christ's strength. That is what our focus is when we see that verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The focus is him, always. Suddenly it makes more sense. We take our eyes off of ourselves and put it onto him. Matthew 6, even Jesus says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Amen? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we get way too obsessed. I, I, I've never done this ever. Worry about the future. Ever. You know, what's going to happen in three months, six months? We do that. Uh, my buddy Ken calls it fantasy thinking. Where we focus on uh, a problem that doesn't exist when we wrestle through that problem that doesn't exist, how are we going to address that problem if it comes, that, the one that doesn't exist? And we create all these scenarios, and we've got this fantasy movie playing in our head of all the problems that haven't even arrived. And then when some of it happens, you go, ha, see, I told you. No, that's, that's a backwards way to see things. Live one day at a time. Live in the peace of the moment. That's, that's hard in today's culture. It really is. The Passion translation, translation says it like this. So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. This is good news. We need that help. We need that encouragement, especially when things look fearful for the future. Galatians 5, I love, love, love this. Let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Or New Living Translation says this, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tired, tied up again in slavery to the law. New American Standard Bible, which is more traditional, says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. Do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. He's referring to the yoke of slavery of the old covenant law. Those rules that were put into place to make you think you're righteous by your actions, so you follow these rules and then you're, you're, you become righteous. That's what the whole sacrificial system was about, doing everything correctly, being fully clean. And then every year they have this, this lamb go out into the wilderness, they slaughter one and the other one goes free, and that's a picture of their sin being gone and away from them, and they cheer and whoop, whoop, whoop. They're super excited about it. But within 10 minutes, one guy gets kicked and he punches the other guy out and now they have to wait a whole year before they get forgiven again. Like, it just builds up. It's such a depressing system and the system was set up to fail. The old system was set up to fail. And that's why when Jesus came, 
He often said, you have heard it said um, this, and he gives a, a, a picture of a rule. And then he, then he says, but I say, and he, first of all, where the religious leaders tried to create rules that they could keep for self-righteousness, Jesus took it, killed it, and made it absolutely impossible again. He made the standard impossible to reach, which is the point, because it will point to Christ. The whole New Testament is a picture pointing to Christ. The Old Testament points to Christ. That old law system is a setup. It says, don't go back to those rules. Don't go back to those things that, uh, when you're focusing on those rules, guess what you're focusing on? And guess what you're not focusing on? If you're focusing on how to behave, then that's all you're going to see. Because then your mindset will be judgment. How are you doing? How is the person beside you doing? Because if you're going to judge yourself, you're judging others. I guarantee it. That's how we work. And Jesus is saying, ah, 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 ah. Put your eyes on me. Let's, let's have fun. Let, let's have a relationship. Let, let's enjoy the beauty of the earth that I've created and focus on me instead of these rules to try and get right with God. But then Jesus says, I've already made you right now. That's, what, that's the beauty of what happened at the cross. You and I have been made right. Sin has been put away. It's dealt with. All right? Beautiful, important picture. The joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> Nehemiah 8. This is an interesting story. Uh, do I have the verse there? No, I don't. Um, but Nehemiah 8 uh, is a story where they're bringing out the law to the people of Israel. They had not heard the law. Um, he, he calls a group of people together. They build this podium for him to stand on. So the law, I think it, was, it wasn't Nehemiah who read it. It was uh, somebody else. Who? Ezra. So Ezra read this, the, the law of the Lord. And they, I think it says that from 6 a.m. till noon or 1, like they all stood there for that many hours. Hey, we can't even handle 40 minutes in here. So what, what's with this standing there for six, seven hours? And uh, the people wept as they heard. They knelt down. They prayed. And, and Nehemiah says, stop. Stop acting like this. I know you're being mournful, but this is a day to rejoice. You're hearing the law, you're learning, and this is Old Covenant, um, but let's celebrate, let's turn this good news because God has put favor on you. So the focus is on favor, but they naturally went for the guilt. Wow, how quickly do we go for the guilt? Feeling bad. Nehemiah, great picture of refocus, focus on what has been good, and that's what today should be about. Great story. And Habakkuk, so let's say things are bad for you. Some farmers, it's really bad. Here's what this says. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. How many times do we go to the garden and eat worms when things hit? And crisis hits, and we make sure we tell everybody that uh, uh, how terrible life is for us. And sometimes you do need a, a, an ear. You need to share your story with somebody. But when all that you do is moan and groan about how terrible everything is, you become a really negative vibration, a very negative person. Nobody wants to be around that. Here is a nice picture from the Old Covenant. Yes, stuff could be going wrong, but... 
I will rejoice in the Lord. Not for the problem, but rejoicing in the Lord. Be joyful in, in the God of my salvation. It's a focus. What are you looking at? Maybe that will be your encouragement today. For the next week is challenge everything you're focusing on. Am I focusing on the negative? Or am I focusing on the joy in me that Christ has given me? Can I even see it? Or am I so programmed that I'm not seeing those positive things right now? Father, please do the work of reprogramming my thinking patterns. That's a really important thing to, to take a peek at. James 1, verses 2 to 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, again, this has been mistaken and I believe mistaught. Uh, some people have been led to believe that when trouble comes, that's God coming and bringing you through hell. That God is the cause of your crises. He's not the cause of your crises. He is the presence of peace in your crises. He's not absent. And the more we can see and find the hope of Christ in us, regardless of what we're walking through, right here, our faith, the faith given to you, by the way, Okay, your faith is a gift to you. You're not drumming it up. It's a gift. And that faith that has been a gift, the Holy Spirit wants to keep cultivating and let it grow and grow and grow. And again, he's the source for that. Uh, I think the Passion Translation says it really well. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. That's, that's a pretty Bold challenge, isn't it? It's like major crisis hits. Okay, how can I turn this into a joyful thing? That's not my first reaction, trust me. <laughs> so interesting encouragement here. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Folks, right now, you have already been filled with, you possess everything you need for living a godly life. You already have the full strength of God's complete peace in you right now for when a crisis comes. As we begin to practice this, here's what's going to happen. What is already there is going to wake up more and more and more. And then it's going to say you're going to lack nothing. It's because you realize, you come to the sensation and the revelation, I have everything. Oh my goodness, I had it all along. Huh. But those who live from a place of lacking and think in their heads, I am missing something. There's something missing. God, I need more of you. What does that mean? How many people have prayed that, Lord, I need more of you? You don't need more of him. How about a joy the all you have? Hello. You don't need more peace. You have all the peace of Christ in you. You don't need more patience. Use his patience. You have all of it. You're a powerhouse. Right now, you lack nothing. And the more we realize and the more we grow to believe this, then we start to walk with a different confidence and then our thinking patterns change and we become programmed to think like Christ instead of the world, which is always focusing on lack and crisis, 
fear, worry. And Jesus says, don't worry about anything. I've got your back. Have you ever been without? No. It's still provision. It's always there. Somehow, maybe not at the level you had really hoped, but you're provided for. Huh. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? Now, this, is, this was written when David was about to be anointed king. Okay? He's, he's going through a lot of stuff. He writes, The Lord is my revelation light to guide me along the way. He's the source of my salvation to defend me every day. I fear no one. I will never turn back and run, run from you, Lord. Surround and protect me. Isn't that nice? That's so encouraging. Now, if you just go ahead and read a whole bunch of the other psalms that David wrote, how he whined and crabbed to God and says, take out there, God, the headless guy, take him out. Yeah, knock them off there. Yeah, keister, yeah. And he, he really vented to God. He said, take my enemies. And then he also complains, why is everybody against me? Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Go into the garden to eat worms. And there's a lot of psalms like that. There are. Do you know what's beautiful about that? Permission to be human. Permission to be on a journey of continual learning and growing and maturing. He's giving us that permission. I love that. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. <laughs> because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. This is a powerful, powerful encouragement verse. I love this line here. It says, strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And I have a hunch what that sin is. The word sin just means miss the mark. It's like archers when they shoot at a target and there's an archer far away and it misses. The archer would yell back, or the, not the catcher guy because they don't do that, but the guy who's observing from the side. He says, sin, as in you missed. Missing. That's, that's the sin. When we're missing the mark, and where do we miss it most? In how we see ourselves. And if you don't see yourself as righteous, worth something, liked, loved, deeply valued, when you do not believe that, it's called a sin because we're missing the mark of the perfection that is in us. We're not seeing it clearly. <laughs> You've been made perfect. Do you act like who you are all the time? No. <laughs> but we still are. In our spirit, in our union, absolutely. This is a beautiful picture of hope. Uh, and Passion Translation says it like this. As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. 
So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we'll be able to run like a life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has been already marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation, now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, back up here for just a second. The, uh, uh, where is it? Yep, for the path has already been marked up before us. How many races have you ever been in where there's no markers, where there's... There has to be. There's always a path, okay? They've marked out every marathon, every race. Car races, they're just like this, but they're marked out, okay? It's, it's kind of funny. Like, you know ahead of time kind of that there'll be markers so you know where to go. And that's what God has done for you and I. And I, I caught that fresh when I read this. It's a reminder that God has already pre-planned grace in every area of your life whether you see it or not. For when you mess up and make wrong choices, there's still grace there waiting already. <laughs> that gives me a lot of hope that I can learn to trust the inner voice of Christ guiding me. Sometimes he'll do it through others, you know, as my wife tells me what to do. It's got to be the Holy Spirit, right? So I got it. We got it. Just kidding. Always be joyful. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. A Passion Translation says, be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Huh. Let joy overflow, for you are united with the Anointed One. Let gentleness be seen in every relationship, for our Lord is ever near. That's a lot of encouragement. I'm going I'm to end with this. This is the heartbeat of our identity right here. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is your piece of gold today. To be reminded Christ lives in you. He speaks from within. Yes, he can speak from without, but if Ernie's got Christ in him, which he does, and Ernie speaks to me in love, that's Christ speaking to me from without, but he speaks to the Christ in me because I'm, in, I'm one with Christ. That means I'm one with Ernie. Wow, uh, he's my brother. I need to treat him well. And he's going to buy me a burger after service today. You know? <laughs> I'm kidding. But you know what I mean? This, this, the awareness of Christ in, in not only in you, but in others. It'll change how we communicate and how we treat everyone. May that sink in. Father, this morning, I pray you wake us up to a joyful reality of Christ living in us. It had been a secret for so long, and now it's been revealed Christ in us. 
Father, may we be encouraged by your spirit. May we also become encouragers as the scriptures encourage us to be. May we become that which we already are. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.